Did you know Granny McDuff now has a Patreon? You can get all episodes ad-free. Games, puzzles, calendars, and more. You can even get discounts off Granny merch. Sign up now on Patreon. Go to GrannyMcDuffENT.com for more information. Good evening, children. It's Granny McDuff, ready with a story. So make yourselves comfy, and I'll begin. Once upon a time, there lived a man who had a farm which lay next to a beautiful meadow. It was here that he had built a barn in which he stored his hay after the harvest. But for the last three years, there had not been much hay at all. Every year, on the eve of the summer solstice, which gives us the longest day of the year and therefore the shortest night, the grass had disappeared. Something had eaten it up. It was as if all the animals in the land, sheep, horses and cows alike, had come to the meadow just to eat the farmer's grass. The man grew tired of losing his crop. He said to his sons, of which he had three, One of you must go and guard the field. You will stay in the barn all night and keep watch. We cannot go another year without it. The eldest son, who was called William, said, I shall do it. I shall stand guard. And so well shall I do it that the devil himself should not take even one bite. When evening came, he went to the barn. But he soon grew tired and fell fast asleep. Then, suddenly, there was a great rumbling, so powerful that it shook the walls and rattled the roof. William was so scared that he took off as fast as he could and never looked back. And so the grass was eaten up. The next year, on the summer solstice, the farmer said to his sons, One of you will go and guard the field. You will make sure it is safe. We cannot go another year without it. Do better than your brother did last year. The middle son, called Paul, said, I will do it, father. I will guard it with my life. Paul went to the barn, but not long after he had arrived, he fell asleep just as his brother had done. And suddenly, once again, there was a rumbling. It felt like an earthquake. The walls shook and the ground trembled. Paul took off, terrified, and he never looked back. And so for a fifth year, they went with no crop. The poor farmer was beside himself, for he did not know what to do. And when the summer solstice came again the next year, it was the youngest son's turn. He was handsome, smart, kind, funny, and an excellent swordsman. He was called Alistair, 
In his spare time, Alistair was a swordsmith, although his family did not know. But in his daily life, he cooked. He made every meal for his family. He baked bread, made the pies, and fed them till their bellies were full. His brothers mocked him and nicknamed him Cinderlad, for he was the one who stood over the stove and was covered in soot. You are just the one to go and guard the field, for you have never learned anything but to be among the ashes next to the oven and baking bread. Alistair was not troubled by this. Shall I stop cooking for you, brothers? Do you not love the meat pies? Perhaps I shall let you try to make our meals. Then we will not eat at all. This was enough to make them stop, for they did quite enjoy everything their brother made, though they would never admit it. When night fell, Alistair went out to the barn and waited and watched. And when the rumbling began, he was quite frightened. But he said to himself, If it gets no worse than this, I think I shall be just fine. The earth shook, and the clouds roared even louder. Well, if it gets no worse than this, I think I can manage it, he thought. When the third rumbling came, and the walls shook, and the roof seemed as if it would fall in, Alistair stood his ground. I hope it does not come again, he thought, but if it does, I shall be ready. But it did not come again. In fact, it grew very quiet. After a short time, Alistair heard something just outside the barn door. It sounded like a horse chewing. And when he peeked outside, sure enough, there was a beautiful horse standing outside and munching on the grass. He was majestic. Alistair had never seen such a fine horse before. He wore a bridle and a saddle. And next to him on the ground was a suit of armour fit for a knight. It was made of silver and was the finest that had ever been made. Ha! said Alistair. Is it you who eats our grass? But you could certainly not eat all of it. Perhaps you're friends, but I see none. The horse approached him. Oh, how lovely you are, he told it. I think I shall call you Friedrich, a noble name to match such a noble horse. And so he took the horse into the barn, untacked him and brushed his silky coat until there was not a speck of dust left. Then he led him to a place where no one would find him, and he hid the armour and tack in the loft of the barn where no one ever went. When he returned home, his brothers jeered. So short a time in the barn, were you frightened, brother? Not at all. I stayed till the sun rose, then made my way home. I saw nothing, nor did I hear anything all night. Goodness knows what scared the two of you. Now, what have you made for breakfast? They had made nothing at all, for they did not know how. I did teach you to make porridge. 
Oh, brother, just light the fire and make us biscuits. While you cook, we shall go check the meadow. When they arrived, William and Paul were shocked to find the meadow full of grass, as thick and green as ever. This made them even more envious of him. It was at this time that the king of the land in which they lived sent out a proclamation. A competition would be held. The winner would gain a place among the king's knights. This was Alistair's dream. And of course his brothers were quite keen on the idea too. The competition would be that anyone who entered would have to ride up the glass hill that sat near the palace. It was as slippery as ice and so high it went almost to the clouds. At the top, the princess, who was known far and wide, would sit with a golden apple. Whoever brought the apple down would have a place in the king's knights, but would also have a chance to win the princess's heart. Word spread across the land. Princes and knights from neighbouring kingdoms arrived. William and Paul entered as well. And so did Alistair. His brothers sneered. You do not stand a chance. How much you will embarrass our family by even trying. You shall not come with us. Alistair paid no mind to this. He was ready and he would go. After his brothers left, Alistair fetched Friedrich and tacked him up. Once he was ready, Alistair put on the armour and rode his horse toward the palace. Every man who had entered failed within the first ten steps. They could not climb the glass hill and whether on horse or on foot, slid right down. After the last man had tried, the king was ready to announce another day would need to take place, for there was no winner. But before he said one word, Alistair appeared. Everyone wondered who he was, and they admired the silver armour. No one had ever seen anything like it. Alistair bowed to the king from atop his horse, and then he and Friedrich climbed the glass hill as if it were nothing at all. When they reached the princess, Alistair greeted her. The princess said, Come, knight, take your prize, and return to the bottom of the hill, and take your place as one of the king's knights. Thank you, princess. I will gladly take the apple. And should you require a way down, I am happy to oblige. Thank you, sir. Pray, tell me, what is your name? You may call my horse Friedrich. As for me, you may call me Knight. How modest you are, for most would already be demanding their name be written into the history books. It is not what is written about us, but what we do that matters. An undeniable truth, she replied. The princess could not see his face or look into his eyes. 
but there was a kindness to him. Something drew her to him that she could not explain. And he felt the same. It was as if a rope had tied them to one another their whole lives and had only now pulled them together. I will gladly ride down with you, knight. Alistair helped the princess onto Friedrich's back. Together, they walked down the hill. When they arrived, they were greeted with cheers, and the king asked his name. Just as he did, Alistair realised his armour was quickly disappearing. It was melting, and the parts that melted away just seemed to vanish into thin air. The princess was helped down from Friedrich, who whinnied, signalling it was time for them to go. Alistair mounted his horse, and off they went to everyone's surprise. Why would the man who had just won such a grand prize gallop away without even a word? By the time Alistair reached the barn, the armour was completely gone. Then, something incredible happened. Friedrich spoke. What the armour did for you was aid you in following your destiny. Now that you know, now that you have glimpsed your future and seen who you are meant to be, you do not need armour. Do not be afraid to be your true self. Who are you? I am the one who watches over you. I am Velmont, but I do not mind Friedrich. <laughs> Such a cute name. Are you to stay with me? If I am to be a knight, do you ride with me? I will, as long as I am needed. Velmont went out into the fields to graze, and Alistair, with his prized golden apple in hand, went back to the house. He hid it under a floorboard in the kitchen. Suddenly, his brothers burst through the door. They told Alistair and their father about the Silver Knight, as he was now called, and what had happened. Why would he win, then leave? Something is amiss. He took the apple with him. I don't suppose we will ever know who he was. It is unlikely. The next day, Alistair asked Velmont, What shall I do? How can I answer that? It is you who must decide. Suddenly, a rider appeared on the other side of the meadow, and then another, and another, followed by the royal carriage. The king and princess were headed toward the house. Alistair arrived after they had all gone inside. He listened from the other side of the door. My daughter, the princess, and I are looking for the man they are calling the Silver Knight. I must find him, you see. We have none here, replied the boy's father. It is just us and another brother 
who's out in the field, said William. But he did not compete, Paul added. It would be a shame if we were unable to find him. If you see him, ride fast to the palace and tell us. We will, your highness, said William. The princess turned to leave, but stopped. Her eye had caught something shiny. It was under the floorboard in the kitchen. And just as she asked them to take up the board, Alistair opened the door and entered. They looked at one another and knew the truth. It was fate. They had been pulled together. Alistair took up the board and handed the golden apple to the princess. So it is you, said the king. Yes, your majesty. It was me. Will you join the knights? Alistair's father and brothers could not believe it. You? But how? Quiet, the king ordered. I will join you, your majesty, with great honour. And me? the princess asked. It is up to you, princess. But if I might pledge my love to you, my undying loyalty, would you accept it? I would, she replied. But only if you allow me to offer mine. Alistair smiled. With great pleasure. Valmont remained with Alistair for the rest of his days. Alistair became the greatest knight the land had ever seen. He and the princess were married. And from that day until their last, they were never parted. The End Hello children, don't forget you can listen to all my stories on YouTube at Granny McDuff. And now it's time to take a deep breath, close our eyes, so that we may drift off into a world of our own adventure. Good night children. <laughs>